This morning, I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. I want to stop for a second because I feel the Spirit of God telling me to say this. That there are people that weep. And they're not weeping because they're broken. They're weeping because they feel so helpless as Christians even. And the reason that we feel so helpless as Christians is because we do not realize who we serve. Some people don't realize the power of God that Jesus purchased you and I and everything that he did will will is is powerful enough god is enough his son is enough there's power invested in the christ and everything that he has done there's a power i shouldn't say it's invested it's released it's been released for you and i and the reason that people weep and cry a lot in their Christian relationship or they're frustrated is because they don't understand who they serve. They don't understand about the Lamb. Now I know that this is a throne room uh, you know uh, encounter here or a throne room account I should say. And it says and I wept much, John did because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, weep not. Behold, that's the word God's saying to you and I today. Behold what this preacher is getting ready to preach to you from the word. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. He's prevailed. Yes, he died on an old rugged cross, but he died for a purpose. And he prevailed over sin, self, the devil, the dominion of sin, the power of sin, the power of the devil. He prevailed. He prevailed by not only going to the cross and dying, but being risen from the grave. He was raised from the dead and he prevailed over death. He prevailed. God will prevail. Amen. But it says... He has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Never forget the power is always, always, always pointing to a lamb. Okay? I know he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But before he could, he could 
fulfill that spot in Scripture prophetically. He had to be the lamb that was slain. The power is in what was, t- what was done and what happened on the cross. I cannot preach it enough. I cannot declare it enough because you cannot exhaust such a message. We must know that. We must live in that. It must be a steady diet that we hear from the Word. But the Bible says, And He came and took the book out of the right hand of Him that sat upon the throne. And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the saints. And this is my message today. And they sung a new song. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That was a number that you couldn't even number. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing a sevenfold description of the blessedness of God, of Christ. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard, I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. These people that are wicked, and I'm just going to call them idiots because that's what they are, but they don't know that they're idiots. But that's what they are. That actually think they can defy God and parade around like devils on the Grammys and on the music awards and all that stuff. And they think that they can act like that and that they're not going to bow their knee and they're not going to have to, as the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But let me just share with you this. One day that's going to happen. They may not be bowing now. They may not be bending now. But they will one day. It's unfortunate and I feel. Because I don't feel for them. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And neither does God. For He said in His Word, He's not willing that any would perish. But that all come to repentance. That's where we're living today. But, But listen. Listen to me today. He says here in the Word of God, uh, turn with me to Mark 14. I want to read one passage of Scripture. Mark 14, verse 26. Mark 14, 26, and it says this, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. 
Let's pray over the word of God. Father, I thank you today for this time to come and to break open this wonderful word. Lord, I'm not on a soapbox today. I'm here to prayerfully impart or for you through me to impart a word into this body. Lord, for us to hear, Father God, your word. Lord, this is, this is what we have to stand on right here. Lord, and as I've preached, experiences are great, encounters are great. We love them. I love them. But God, I don't want to have an experience or a, uh, uh, any kind of experience, Lord, or a sensation, spiritual sensation, Father God, that doesn't have the Word of God to back it up. I don't want to worship an unknown God, but I want to worship you, the known God. And I don't want to be deceived in anything, Father God, but know you and know in whom I have put my trust and faith. You have a name. You have a character. Father, you have a character. You, are, you, you have a, a, a multifaceted name. You're the Ancient of Days. You're the Great I Am. You're He who is, who was, and who is to come. You're the Lamb that was slain, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Prince of Peace. You are the author and the finisher of my faith, our faith. You are the Almighty God, the Almighty Father in heaven. Lord, I just thank you today, and you have a character, not only a name, but a character. And Lord, I'm asking you to help me to preach your word today and make sure that I focus on you today so that we know in whom we are worshiping. And Lord, we don't get sidetracked in an age that's antichrist that wants us to be deluded and wants us to be deceived. Help us to keep our minds upon you and the main thing, the main thing. I thank you today and I praise you in Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. You know, I'm preaching a message today, a song about the Lamb. I've preached this text in times past and I may have uh, preached even some of the things that I'm going to say this morning, but I don't know because I don't go back and pull for the most part, old sermons that I've preached, I just start fresh. Okay? So stay here with me this morning because I want you to know the greatest message you're ever going to hear is what I'm getting ready to preach to you. It's not the message that tells you you're going to make a lot of money and God's going to prosper you. It's not 12 steps to a better you. Come on now. This, this message, let me tell you today, is not about you. It's not about me. One of the things that I believe Rick Warren wrote in one of the books that he had, which was The Purpose Driven Life, he said in that book, he said, it's not about you. It's about Him. It's about Christ. It's always about Christ. The things that God does in us is to put us in a position where we'll truly come back to what we were created to do, and that is to worship God. In spirit and in truth. So understand today, because you know, we all like to hear about ourselves. Don't say you don't, because I'm going to tell you, I'm a worship leader and I watch how people worship. I watch the songs they worship to and the songs that are about you and how empowered you are and all this other stuff. People thrive and throng on that. But the moment you start singing about heaven or the blood or the cross, everybody goes... So today, it's his song. 
It's his song. It's about him. Amen. Amen. I remember being a kid and my dad, my older brother and sister were twins. They are twins, not were. They are twins. But I remember my dad would always send me a birthday card and he'd always send me money in my birthday card because my birthday was in August and there was, theirs was April 28th. And he would always send them a birthday card, but he would always send me a card when he sent their card. I was his baby, let me tell you, at that time. I was baby. I was the smallest one. I was the youngest one. And, and I loved my dad. Loved my dad. And he would send them a card, and he would send me a card. He may send them 20 bucks. He'd give me five. He'd put five there and say, just wanted to say hi, John. Tell you I love you. Oh, my mom would get bugged by that. She'd say, it's not your birthday. It's not about you. And I thought, well, that's not my fault, you know. He did that, not me. But we've developed this, I know, in our minds and in our, our life, just in our culture. There's a lot of self-centered things, self-absorbed things. And we have to understand this today. It's about Him. It's the Lord's song. It's the song of the Lamb. Ultimately, it's worship unto Him. Okay, so I want you to see where I'm going today because I want to glorify Him and honor Him. And the way you respond is going to determine everything about you. Amen. Amen. So I'm preaching this morning a song about the Lamb. And let me declare unto you, if there had been no Savior, there could be no redemption. Amen? If there had been no baby in a manger, there would be no peace upon the earth. That's what the angel said. But if there had been no Lamb of God that was slain, there could be no song that we hear sung here that is not, it not only sang in heaven, but it's a song that we are to sing unto the Lord because of what He has done for us. Amen. So there is a heaven song. And it's not the same hymn that's, that was sang before the cross. That's why I gave you that scripture out of Mark 14 because they sang a hymn, but there's a total different song of the Lord that we're hearing sung around the throne room, around the throne of God because of what Jesus did. Amen? It's a finished work and God is pleased with what He sees. He's pleased and we are benefactors of what what he has done and so we have a reason to rejoice and shout the song of praise of the Lamb. <coughs> Amen. It's a new song. It's a new song that only the redeemed can sing. <coughs> only the redeemed can really sing. I want you to make a note that the greatest description of the throne of God is right here in this passage in the Word. And the significance of the redemptive work of Christ is revealed and it is preeminent. What does that mean? It is of God's most ultimate importance. Christ is preeminent. His Word is preeminent. He is first and foremost in God's eyes a priority. That's why you need to abide in Him because it's only your connection with Jesus that you receive any of the benefits of Jesus and the blessings of Jesus and the redemption of Jesus. Please understand where I'm going this morning. Heaven has a new song being sung by living creatures, by the 24 elders, prostrate before Christ. Amen. I want to say prostrate because I don't want to say prostate. Amen. 
I've done it before. Prostrate, flat on the ground. They're down on their face before Christ, the Lamb that was slain, singing the song of the Lamb. This is what is important to God. Number one, what Christ did. Number two, that we worship Him correctly. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you worship, you know not what. Well, Pastor, you've preached that so many times. I realize that. But we live in a culture and a generation, and maybe you don't need to hear it today, but maybe somebody that's listening does. They need to know who they worship. Not worship a what. Because the power is a what. Energy is a what. (laughs) But Jesus is a who. (laughs) Amen. You worship, you know not what, is what he said to her. But the Father desires only and only accepts worship in spirit and in truth, is what he told her. Clearly, this is what is the anthem of heaven's throne, the song of the Lamb. And it's what brings the power. It's what represents the power. You have no power without the blood. You have no power without the cross. I heard somebody one time, they said, you know, they they were kind of going on about another ministry that's on TV and how that they're always only preaching the cross. And I said, that is the power. Everything stems from there. That's the hub of it all. It's Christ and Him crucified that we have anything. I went to prison one time preaching and I went in there and I didn't really have a message that I felt like was going to be exciting. I said, Lord, I want to give them something good and nothing. I just felt a blank. You know, God didn't really give me anything specific he said and as I walked in he said just preach the cross so I went in there and I just started preaching the cross preached about how Jesus died on the cross he was the only one that could have died for us we're rotten ranked sinners on our way to hell people don't like hellfire and brimstone you don't have to worry about that if you accept the savior the only people that hellfire and brimstone bugs are people that ain't right You preach on hell, I don't care, I'm not going there. (laughs) I'm right with God. So you know what, I want people to hear about it because I don't want them to split hell wide open. My love for God and them is far greater than their feelings. So, but I begin to preach on the blood, preach on the cross, preach it. And men were weeping, weeping. And I sing old rugged cross and, you know, the blood and nothing but the blood, all those blood songs and cross songs. And men were crying. They're crying out to God. And I walked out the door and I said, man, Lord, that didn't go like I had expected. I, I didn't realize that. He said, don't ever think you're smarter than me. He said, I know what they need. I've told you what they need. You're the one that tried to reinvent the wheel. You're the one that's trying to make it more attractive. You're the one that's trying to make it something else to kind of window dress these men. But that cross being preached goes right for the heart. It goes right for the soul of man. It deals with the depth of where he's at. It deals with what he needs. It deals with what has separated him from God. It deals with the sin in his life. That's why you've got to preach it, preacher. 
Don't think it can be anything else. So, it is what brings and represents the power. Not a song about power. Unless it's the song about the power of God. The power of Christ. Not just a power. Because that's where we're at. That's a whole premise of antichrist spirit is making it look so much like Christ, but it's antichrist. <laughs> it's a Laodicean church where Jesus is on the outside knocking on the door trying to get in his own church. Man. So, it's not a song about power. That's absent of what brings the power because that's what you hear a lot of today. People are not moved by the truth in the song. They're moved by the beat of the song. They're moved by the hype in the song. Amen. Amen. Look, I've led worship for years. I've watched this for 30 years. You're talking to a veterano right here. I've watched people for years. You can watch people when God begins to stir something down deep in their heart. Amen. There's people you'll sing one type of song, and then there's people you start singing about the blood. Here they come, tears streaming down their face. That cross means something to them. That blood means something to them. This Bible means something to them. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So it's not a song about power that's absent of what brings the power, but a grasp and an understanding of where the power comes from. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen. Everyone that believeth. The song of heaven sings uh, about his victorious death. It sings about his blood that was shed and that, we, and, and, and that we would be redeemed or reconciled which means purchased back to God. Think about that. You sing the song of the Lamb because He's purchased you. If you don't sing the song of the Lamb it's because you don't know nothing about the redemption of God that He purchased you but He reached down real low and picked up this old rotten rank sinner. He picked me up off of the scrap heap. He picked me up out of perversion. He picked me up out of lust. He picked me up out of the sin and shame. He reached down his hand and picked me up so I understand what it means to be redeemed today. I've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> it's the song of the Lamb. Oh. The heavenly choir the one we are to model sings about redemption. They sing about the lamb that was slain that died to redeem us and to redeem us from sin to God by his blood. I am quoting the scripture to you. Why is this important? 
to be taught two reasons. Number one, to correct error. Number two, to stir faith and truth and know who we worship and why we worship him. You know, you see sometimes in services and stuff that people, and it probably even happened in here, people get moved by the Spirit of God. It's very, very impacting. It's very influencing. It's very moving. It's very hard to kick against the goads in a spirit-filled environment. Amen. I always watch people. I watch people. When they get too busy, they're too fidgety in church. They're too, there's a spirit of God's dealing with them. Amen. Amen. Down through the years, I've just wanted to say, sit down. Sit down. Amen. Sit down. Let God begin to talk to you. Amen. When I was a little kid, whenever I would get in trouble at school, I had this, this, this uh, default mode in, my, in me. Like my teachers would come up and they would want to talk to me or they would want to get on to me. My mom never let me get away with it. But the teachers and everywhere else I could get away with it, I would just look off on the side. They'd be talking to me over here and I'm looking over here like, you know, if I don't look at them, then they're not there. But my mom would pull my face up there and she'd say, look at me. I'm talking to you. You're not going to dodge the bullet here. You're going to listen to me and you're going to look at me. Square in the eye. Whew, it's hard for me. Amen. But with all of that being said, God's trying to deal with us and he wants to correct errors in our life and he wants to stir faith and truth and, and, know, and that we would know who we worship and why we worship who we worship. <clears throat> I'm witnessing a generation that produces a lot of worship songs that do not focus on the Lamb. Okay? And, 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 and to, in their defense, a lot of them haven't been taught that. But I've been taught that. That's why my focus is there. Some people say, I wish you wouldn't sing the old songs because you seem to sing, sing the same ones. I said, I don't have any new ones that sing about the Lamb. Good luck finding them. There's not very many. Now, I know somebody's going to come up because they want to show me up. I'm going to say, look, I'm a worship leader. I've searched. There's songs that have the lamb in them. There's songs that have the blood in them. But good luck. And I shouldn't say good luck. You're going to be hard-pressed to really find a good genre of them or a good supply of them because they're not being produced. Because there's a generation, and, I, and everybody needs to listen to me, okay? One of the things that Jesus said was an end time, uh, you know, defining of the end times is that even the very elect would be deceived. We cannot be deceived in the area, even in the area of worship. There's the song of the Lamb. They have to be songs that sing about Him, that, 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 that speak about Him, that specifically call Him out, who He is, what He is, what He has done, with specific language from the Word of God. Not just about him, because that will, that will usher people into, and it already has, into an anti-Christ age and stage and season that we're living in. 
We have to know the God we say we serve. That's why it has to be preached. And I'm witnessing a generation that produces a lot of worship songs that do not focus on the Lamb. It's what's wrong today. It's in all, almost in essence in a lot of places or some places I should say. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But there's a lot of places where it is another gospel. Paul even said that. It's another gospel. It's like Christmas without Christ. Wouldn't you say that we're almost there? It's like Christmas without Christ. Everybody wants to, to celebrate Christmas, but they don't want Christ in it. Well, that's a Christian holiday, by the way. It's like me saying, Teresa, I know your birthday's on, what's, when's your birthday? June what? June 4th. Don't forget that. <clears throat> me saying I'm going to take you out but I want to go where I want to go okay you don't get the cake we're going to we're going to it's a community cake here we're going to do it it's and and we're going to do what we want to do it's your birthday it's all about you but it really isn't this is where we're living amen just open your ears open your eyes ask God to show you I'm telling you he will he'll reveal it to you it's where we're at. It's like this motivational gospel that's being taught. But it's not the wonder-working power in the blood. It's not the wonder-working power in the blood. It's a motivational thing. And we do need to be motivated. But let me tell you, the power in the Holy Ghost will put a, a fire in your step. Amen. You don't have to have somebody come up and pump you up. The Holy Ghost will lift you up. The Holy Ghost power will empower you. It is the dunamis, the very dynamite of God in you that will begin to catapult you and, and begin to thrust you where God wants you to go. It is the power of God. Not man's words. Not what man's speaking. Unless he's speaking about God and under the anointing of God. It is the power of God unto salvation. And it cannot be. It cannot be cast to the side. So it's not the wonder working power in the blood that we hear. I remember Brian Brown when he first came here. We had communion. And man, when we have communion, and especially in the early days, when we had communion, it was an event. I mean, I preached on the blood. I preached on Jesus died for us. I preached, you know, examine yourself. It was a whole service geared and focused upon that. And, and bless God, before you took communion, you better be right with God. Because I don't want you to drink damnation unto yourself. I don't want you to, you know, to, to not discern the Lord's body. I want you to examine yourself like the Word of God says. And we took that. I mean, people are weeping and crying. They're drinking that juice. They're crying. Because I said, that's the blood of Jesus. He shed for you. Take that body, his body that was broken for you. That's where our healing comes from, amen. He took those stripes across his back. People are weeping and crying. They're in the altars. They're worshiping. And Brian Brown said, my goodness. He said, I've never been in a communion service like that. I said, we mean business. If it's not real, what are we wasting our time here for? Let's be real. We serve a real God. Amen. People, people they, they profess that they believe, but they live like they don't believe. 
They profess like they're believers and they live their life like they're atheists. I'm telling you the truth. Nobody wanted to hear that. I'm not saying you're atheist. What I'm saying is that if we say we believe God on Sunday, then act like it Monday. Live like it Monday. Live like it Tuesday. Live like it Wednesday. Live like it Thursday. Live like it Friday. Don't live like the devil, then come in here and everybody be confused about your life because they got to cast the devil out of you. Oh, now I'm up here pestering instead of pastoring. Amen. Come on. Come on. You know I'm telling you the truth. Live a life that says I'm a Christian. Live a life that says this is what I believe. Not just what I say I believe. This is what I believe. This is the person that I am. Look, I know we all make mistakes and we've all done things. The devil tempts you. I know, let me tell you, but I know this much that he said that if we would submit ourselves unto God, resist the devil, he would flee from us, that he would give us the power in the spirit to walk in the spirit so that we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's why he said, mortify the deeds of your body. Mortify the deeds of the, bring those members under subjection. Put them to death. Put that body on that altar. That tongue flops off, begin to cut it off, deal with it. Fast it, pray it. I've got jealousy in my heart. Fast it and pray it through to victory. I've got a lustful problem. Fast it and pray it through to victory. Amen. He gives us the power to overcome. It's like Becky said, you've got to make that choice. You've got to make that decision. You've got to make that decision. You've got to make that choice. So Pastor Lee told me, he said, you know, there's a shiny new red apple that Satan is dangling before the bride. It's promoting a tree of knowledge, but not a tree of life. Oh, you know, everybody says, we want pastor, we want you to, you're getting it. You want it, you got it. God wants it, that's why he's having me speak it. Amen. Because I don't want to stand before God and say, Lord, look at all these. Oh, wait, where were they at? And him say to me, you didn't preach to him like you're supposed to. You have to preach the word. There needs to be a challenge upon their life. Don't you speak to those itching ears. Don't you speak smooth things. You preach to them. Amen. You preach to them. I'm not beating up on you. I'm challenging you today. I'm telling you, there's a life to live. There's a heaven to, heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's life or death, blessing or cursing. He said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Choose you this day. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. We're going to serve the Lord. So guess what, children? When mom and dad say we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Husbands, when they tell you to, to the wife, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You say, well, I got a husband that's not living for God. Well, you serve the Lord no matter what he does and watch as God begins to get a hold of his heart. 
Don't tell me God can't do it. Jerry Worley and Maida Balsover were in church. She got right with God. Uh, uh, Jerry did. She got right in a revival meeting. And they went over there. And she was so happy. She was rejoicing in God. She's been born again, restored, and saved, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And Anson's out there working on his bike. I believe I'm telling the story right. But he's out there working on his bike. And he said to Maida, don't you bring her her back changed. Well, too late. She's already been changed. He said, I'll never go to church. I'm not going back to church. She said, Anson Worley, God will get a hold of you no matter what it takes. Well, it wasn't a day or two later. He's flat out on his back with the motorcycle flipped over on the road. He got himself in church. <laughs> Whatever it takes. No matter what, the song of the Lamb is a song of redemption. God's interested in saving your soul. Whatever it takes, God, my God, the devil has got a shiny, bright red. New apple. He don't change his method. The smartest, most wisest man in the Bible said, there ain't nothing new under the sun and the devil ain't got nothing new either. God's people just aren't smart enough to pay attention. Same old tactic. It just circles and cycles. So, he's got a, a shiny red apple that's a tree of knowledge but not a tree of life. Very man-centered. Yet the life is in the blood. The tree of life. Why was it a tree of life? Well, it's a tree of life because the blood, there's life in the blood, that's what it says. Even medical science will tell you that. If there's no more blood flowing and the blood's gone, there's no life. I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but I worked in healthcare long enough with hospice that I know, if I just made this worse, I know that when the blood stops pumping or when the blood is no longer in your body because you have been cut and you're, you're bleeding out, you don't have very long to live. Brother Talbert said one time, a man came in, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust you upside the head. I don't know if he said he's going to slice his throat or something, he's going to kill him. He said, don't that make you afraid? He said, I'll tell you what right now. He said, I read in the medical chronicles and the medical books that if a man gets cut, he's got about eight minutes, I believe, before he'll bleed out. He said, you cut me. He said, you may kill me. He said, but I'm going to beat you for eight minutes. I will beat your ever-living soul for eight minutes while there's still life in me. And stood back and said, you're as crazy as me. Listen, listen. The life is in the blood. The tree of life is a, the Christ, the very life of God, the very life. Life is hanging on that tree. That is our redemption. That is our hope. That is our life. 
We have life because He died and shed His blood. But yet we serve a God who cannot die. He died in the flesh. But He gives us everlasting life because God the Father accepted the sacrifice. And He said, now you have eternal life. Because He rose from the grave, you'll raise from the grave. You can have newness of life. I have eternal life today. I'm going to have eternal life forever. But I have eternal life today. Living and flowing through. Do you have eternal life today? What is eternal life? Jesus said it, John 17, 3, 2 and 3. That they may know him. I'm going to read it to you. Amen. I'm not just going to quote it. I'm going to read it to you. And read it to you correctly. I love this scripture. John chapter 17. I'll get there. Hold on. I got the, the preacher version here. Translation here. He said, he said in the word of God, he said in this, verse 3, is life eternal that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He is the Savior. He is the Lamb. Remember this. We have our Bible sitting right in front of us. It's all right there. Deception comes when you do not read it. The power is not absent from or does it come without a cross and bloodshed or our faith in the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus told him in John 5, and I'm going to move along here quickly, but in John 5, 36 through 43, he said, Search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. And he said, let me tell you something. They're talking about me. Why does the world embrace every other, it seems like, religion except when you get down to Jesus? And then the, the one religion in the world, okay, the one religion, Christianity, real true Christianity, promotes love. It's loving, it's giving. It's, I mean, I know the church has a lot of flaws. I'm not going to say that we don't. But at its core and its origin, where it's really operating like it's supposed to, where the church is really the church, it's loving, it's caring, it's delivering, it brings light and truth, deliverance, everything. Because we are His church. We're His body. We're not going around and blowing up buildings. Come on now. Amen. You can, you can be free here. Amen. We're not blowing up buildings like Muslims are doing or other religions are doing. Oh, pastor, don't say that. I'm going to say it. We're not doing that. Where Christians go, they go and they bring life. They bring hope. They bring the answer. Other religions bring nothing but death. But yet, the ones that bring life and peace and, and every. Every culture, every nation where Christ has come and has, has, has had a thumbprint or had a huge influence upon a nation, there's always the blessing of God. And it's always these other nations that are ungodly and have a, a, a man-made God or a God that is not a God. And they come in and they want to infiltrate every place where God, where Christ has been preached and destroy it. Oh, I need to preach it more. You can take an ice cream cone and if you drop it in manure, you don't ruin the manure. You ruin the ice cream. 
Because you can't partake of that ice cream. But you can just scoop a bunch of manure over that ice cream and it's done. It just becomes a part of that. Everywhere Christ has been preached and where the gospel has been preached and where there has been a Christian element and it developed and it began to be propagated and spread and disciples were made, you see a country that has changed. But everywhere you don't see that, you see death. And then the devil wants to come and bring death where there's been life. You know, I'm telling you the truth. I don't want you deceived. I'm responsible for your soul. <clears throat> Yet where there is a truth, where there is truth, rather not a truth, but the truth, and a love for the truth, and a faith in the truth, there is a power. A new song, a freshness always comes. Where there's a, where the new song is a, is a, just that in itself, just the very word new shows you it's something fresh. It's something new. It's something that's always fresh. There's always new mercies. There's always fresh oil. There's always times of refreshing. There's always fresh manna. It's in the very uh, Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. All of these things are there. Every day can be a fresh new song that you sing unto God. Don't ever forget the Lamb. A great power of God to open up the scroll is what we read here. The power of the cross is for every area of your life. Jesus can unlock the whole counsel of God for you. He can unlock the promises and the destiny for our lives. And He does as we begin to um, put our faith and trust in Him. Because I can tell you, we have problems of perplexity. They're perplexing. There seems to be no answer for them, but God knows how to give us an answer. He knows how to give us an answer. I, I always share this, and I know it may sound redundant, but, but I, I, I'll never forget this as long as I live. We lived at that little house over there on 204, across the street from the first church where we started. I remodeled that bathroom. And I remember I got one of those tub enclosures. And it was two pieces. It was the tub, which is the bottom part. And then it had an enclosure for the top. And any of you that have ever done construction, you know you put the tub in. And then you slide the enclosure in there. And you just put it in place. And then you caulk it and everything, all that stuff. Well, I got the tub in because I took it in sideways and moved it in there and popped it in place. But I'm looking at that enclosure and it wouldn't fit in the door for me to get it through because it was that wide and the door was about two inches or three inches shorter or, or not as wide and so <clears throat> I'm just looking at it and I thought Lord I have when you walk in the door the walls there I couldn't get it in there and pop it in place I couldn't and I thought I'm gonna have to rip the wall out Angela's going please can we figure something else out? I'm just sitting there. I'm looking at it. And I said, God, I bought this thing. And I just, I can't, what am I going to do? I told Angela, I think I'm going to just have to take it out and take it back and probably have to do tile or something, which we didn't have the money for. And I'm just looking at it. And I said, God, I said, what should I do? Help me. Just like that. 
He said, turn it around, flip it upside down. And he said, take it in this way because you have room here. Take it in there that way. Bring the other side in and then flip it into place. I'm looking at all that and calculating it. And so I did. I put it in there, brought it in this way. It was like a U. Got that side in, moved it in. I mean, we had a half an inch. <laughs> got it in there. I said, well, we got it in here. I'm on the other side of that tub because it's the width of the walkway. Grandma's on the other side. Maybe Angela, I don't know, maybe somebody else. I don't remember that, but I remember. I said, all right, now let's flip it into place. And we flipped that thing up, and it barely missed the wall by a half inch, and we popped it right into place. It went right into place. Grandma Jeannie looked at me. She said, how did you do that? I said, Grandma, it was God. She said, well, it had to have been, you know. I said, that was God. That was God. I said, I didn't think to do that. I didn't have the mind to do that. But here's my tub there. It's all set in place. And I thought, Lord, he said, do you realize that I have a solution for every one of your impossible problems? Your spouse that's being rotten to the core and treating you bad or whatever. I know how to get a hold of them. Amen. I'm not saying you or, or her. I'm just saying he knows how to deal with perplexing situations. He knows how to deal with perplexing situations. Amen. God knows. He knows how to minister to the impossibilities. He knows how to open the scroll. He's the only one that can open that scroll. He's the only one that can open that promise. And you go, there's the answer right there. There may only be one answer for your problem. There's only one avenue. I know God can go, but the one answer that you need, God will give it to you. He'll give it to you. I'm telling you, this is what happens whenever we serve the God, amen, who is the only one that can open the scroll. He's the only one that can open up the promises of God, even the things that are perplexing to us. So he says here in the word of God, the great power of God to open the scroll is the power of the cross for every situation in every life that unlocks the counsels of God, the promises of God, and the destiny for your life. The song is a song of fellowship of the redeemed from every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And we have been made unto our God kings and priests, which means kingdom. We're part of the kingdom. Amen. There's only one king, but we're part of the kingdom. <laughs> A kingdom is what was really meant. And he made us people that, that are to be holy, to operate in the role in the offices of spiritual priesthood with privileges and duties. Anywhere that was taken lightly, it never ended well. Nadab and Abihu didn't end well. Phineas and Hophni didn't end well. But where we go with a holy life, because we choose that, he said, be ye holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Be ye holy. Be pure. And when you're doing the things of God, make sure that you don't ever forget that. Because God doesn't want ungodly people or unholy people putting their hands to anything that is of his ministry. So if you're teaching in the class, you better be right with God. 
Don't be out partying on Saturday night and then come in and think you're going to teach the kids. Don't go out doing stuff on Friday and Saturday and say, I'm going to just stroll up there on the, on the platform. No, you won't. Amen. Don't touch the holy things of God if you're not going to live that life. Just pick a chair. Sit down and worship. But don't come up and try to be an instrument that God can use if you're not going to live that life. Amen. Come on now. You know I'm telling you the truth. We're called to be kings and priests. And priests begin to offer up the worship. Amen. There are people that come in here ready to worship. And they set the table through their worship for the ushering in of the presence of God. Even though you didn't. But you feel his presence. Because somebody paid the price. Come on. The redemption calls us to minister at an altar that is holy with holy worship and as kings we operate in great authority and will reign in the millennial time. Thank God. So our call and our duty is Romans 12, 1 and 2 which is I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you would present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. That's the least thing that God asks you to do is just live a godly life. But there's more. He said, just living right isn't the only thing that you're called to do. That's something people only know, though. That's something that some people, all that's as far as they get. And you know what? I feel sorry for you because there's more. There's a greater level of worship. There's something beautiful about Serving. Serving. Amen. Serving. Amen. Something happened yesterday, and God said, You have no idea. The decision that you made, what you've done, how it's affected somebody in a positive way. You have no idea how eternity has been marked forever. Because of the decision that you made. When you choose to do something for the kingdom of God. When you choose to give something or you choose to serve somebody. Amen. You're going to serve somebody but who are you going to serve? You better serve Jesus. Amen. But when you serve Christ and you serve other people, that's what the body's supposed to do. Serve somebody. Serve them. Show them Christ. Amen. Show them Christ. Show them Christ. Let them see Jesus. Don't go up to them and say, well, I hope that you stay warm tonight, brother. I hope you got something to eat, brother. And then shut your door and let them figure it out on their own when you've got something for them, when you've got money in your pocket and you can give them something to eat. But you tell them, just hope everything works out okay for you, brother. That's not the church. The church is whenever you say, I've got it here for you, what you need. I'm not going to let you go hungry. I'm not going to let you be out in the cold. I'm not going to let you freeze behind a dumpster tonight, but I'm going to be the church. I'm going to be the church. I'm going to be the church, and I'm going to be his hand extended. You know what that means, though? You got to be like Jesus. And Jesus wasn't selfish. Because we do it. Wow, I'm really praying for them. I hope everything works out. They need 50 bucks. You got it. You don't have to pray. Just give it to them. 
I don't care if I get a reward. I'm not worried about that. Somebody gave me, I think, 200 bucks one time. This was back almost 18 years ago. I'm sitting on the platform. Somebody comes up to me. They're crying. I don't have money for my electric bill. It's $150. They're going to shut off my power. Those were the days. And I'm looking at him, and God said, I said, you know what? Here. There's $150. Take it. You know, shocked. I said, believe me, I'm as shocked as you are. But I've read the word of God. And it says that if we know and we have the wherewithal and we don't do it, I'm going to tell you, we're, we're not an example of Christ. We're everything that screams wrong in the church and why people say they don't want to go. Well, why don't we give them a reason? Why don't we show them this is what the church is supposed to be? Amen. I'm not going to just speak words. I don't just believe theory, but I'm acting upon what I say I believe. So here, here's your $150. And I said, Lord, you know what? I'm not even worried about a blessing. You love me so much. I'm so thankful to be saved. I'm so thankful that I have a roof over my head and I've got food on my table. And I've got joy in my heart and my soul. I'm saved. If I was sleeping in a tent, I'm saved. And that's all that matters to me. And that night, that night, Buddy Mercer came up to me. And he said, John Othan, that's what he used to call me, Pastor John Othan. I said, hey, brother, how you doing? He said, you know, we started this business, and I told the Lord, the first money that we get, we're paying tithe. And he said, I'm giving it to you right here and right now. I want to give it to you. And he slipped this and gave me a Pentecostal handshake. <laughs> Some people like to have one of them. <laughs> and he slipped that in my pocket. And I didn't really even think anything about it. I'm talking to people. And I didn't want to pull it out and be rude, you know, in front of everybody. So I'm in my car and I pulled it out, $300. God said, you'll never, you will never outgive me. Because that wasn't your tithe right there. That was just your extra. Amen. That little 150 was just your extra. That was, your, that was something that somebody blessed you with for preaching in a, a funeral or something. I just gave that to you. He said, but you, you, what, you, what you did was you sowed into something spiritual and you reaped something and you didn't even ask for that reward. But I'm showing you that whenever that's your heart to do that, I will bless you. And people will wonder what in the world are they doing. The Spirit of God is down there at Obed-Edom's house because the Ark of the Covenant's there and I can tell you the blessing and the favor of God's upon them and church hear me today God is looking for people that love him and that worship him and that the church would be the church in its power and its answer unto a world that does not know what to do <coughs> oh my God I'm closing so our call and our duty is Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is our reasonable service. Reasonable. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, perfect, acceptable, perfect, good, whatever the will of God is, you're going to do it. 
And the theme of the song is the Lamb and His worthiness. And there's a sevenfold blessing. It's ours also. And I'm going to read it to you and then I'm going to stop and pray. But he said in chapter 5, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Just remember, He's the one that it's given unto, but we abide in Him and we're attached to Him as His bride. Everything that's mine is my wife's. It's not my house, it's our house. It's not my car, my truck, it's ours. I can use her car, she can use my truck. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything that's mine is hers and everything that's hers is mine. It's ours. We're a married couple. I'm the groom. She's the bride. She and I have those mutual benefits together, not separated. So everything you read that's Christ is yours. So when you pray, you can say, God, you're the God who has been given power. So that power is my power. You've been given riches, so that riches is my riches. The wisdom is my wisdom. The strength is my strength. The honor, amen, that will come is an honor that you bestow upon me because of Christ, amen. Hallelujah, the gloriousness of a Christian life and the blessedness that comes with it. Glory to God, that's Christ. That's what I'm talking about. And you will sing the new song because you can sing it because it's your song. It's the song of the Lamb, and it's the song about the redeemed. So who are you singing about, and who are you worshiping? Oh, he says even in verse 13, blessing and honor, glory and power, riches and wisdom and strength is his. But that's why when you come and you just, you're standing in the presence of God, you can't come in his presence and not just get the overflow. My dad used to wear Aramis cologne back in the day. Amen. Grandma Jeannie'd say he'd come up and he'd hug us. Say, I love you, sis. And she said when he left, we smelled like Aramis all day long. That's how strong that cologne was. Amen. People say, why do you wear cologne? My dad wore cologne and a lot of it. And I don't care. I'd rather smell like cologne than smell like something else. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of us should wear cologne. Amen. I'm just saying right now, glory to God. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put a damper on the moment. What I'm saying is that the presence of God, we come into the very presence of God, the very presence of God. And when we're in his presence, we feel and receive everything, everything. Almighty oh, God. I can't explain it enough. So we're going to close with a worship song. We're going to sing the song of the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. I want the worship team to come, and I want you to stand this morning. And church, especially if you are redeemed today, I want you to give God your very best.